Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 14. Well, before we get there, 14, let me, let me share a verse in chapter 16, and then we'll get to 14. Chapter 16, verse 7. A lot of people sometimes say that, uh, well, wouldn't it just be great if Jesus could be bodily with us? People say that, but Jesus does not. What does Jesus say? John 16, verse 7, he says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus says, boy, wouldn't it be great if I wasn't with you? If I just left you, then I could send the Holy Spirit back. We just sang this, this, this awesome song, How Great Is Our God. One of the, the lines in it was, He's the Lion and the Lamb. That's great. You can be as strong as a lion and yet as gentle as a lamb. Great character, ability to, to do that. God is so great, He can be enthroned in the heavens and here with us all at the same time. And that's what he's talking about. How does he do that? How can he be enthroned in the heavens and yet very real and present with us at the same time? He was preparing his disciples. He knew he was about to die, be buried, resurrected, and he was going to send and sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He was going to be enthroned. So it's to, my, to your advantage that that's where I go. I need to rule over heaven and earth. And I will. But as I rule over, don't think I'm going to abandon you. Let me send to you a helper. Look at John 14, verse 16 and 17. And that's where he introduces that. John 14, 16 and 17. He says, I will ask the Father. And he will give you another helper. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I want us to think about the strength God gives us through this helper he sends us known as the spirit of truth in this passage, the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's it's a huge advantage to us. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to send you a helper or some help. He said, I'm going to send you another helper, which means there's at least two. Who's the other helper? Well, that would be Jesus. I'm going to send you another one like me. So in receiving the Spirit, we, we, don't, we don't get anything that Christ didn't already have. We're not, the Spirit is not lacking any adequacies. He has everything Christ had. He's the same in substance. He's equal in power and glory. But He's not restricted to flesh. Christ, when He came to earth, took on flesh, which restricts Him. He can't be bodily down the street and bodily 
in here at the same time. He can't be at your house and at my house at the same time because of those fleshly, bodily restrictions. The Holy Spirit doesn't have any of that. He can be in us and with us wherever we are, wherever we go. Christ went in his body to be enthroned in heaven. He said, when I get there, I'll ask God the Father. We will send God the Holy Spirit to be in you and with you always. And that's something the world, he says, doesn't get. That's a gift that's only given to the people of God. And it's a special gift. It's described here as a, as a help, as a huge advantage to us. Um, I don't know how to, um, to really illustrate that or describe it. I read an article um, which, which I thought was, was pretty good, but people were chiding this guy. I think he was, he was north of us, you know, New York City kind of guy. I don't know. Um, and he was in his 20s. He saw that his uh, mom uh, got cancer, died, and lost her house because of all the cancer expenses and all that. And it really impacted him. He said, I'm not going to ever let that happen to me, so I'm going I'm to work and buy my house outright. And he took on three jobs. One was at home, two others. They were all close together. He got rid of his car. He could drive his, uh, ride his bicycle to, to the other two jobs, worked a job. He, he ate like, you know, you can buy three cans for, for a dollar at the grocery store or something. I don't know what it is, ramen noodles or soup or you know, water. I don't know. But, it, you know, he's eating for like a dollar a day, three meals, saving all of his money. And in three years, he's able to buy a $300,000 house outright. And people say, you know, he gave up his life. Well, he only gave it up for three years. But anyway, let's say you did that. And you, you've got all this money saved up. You don't have a house. You just put it in the bank and said, man, I'm set now. I don't have to worry. It's all right there. And then all of a sudden, the Federal Reserve, the federal government freezes your assets says there's bank fraud going on. We're just going to close the bank down. And so you've got this asset, but you can't get it. It's frozen. What's to your advantage at that point? The fact that you've got an asset you can't get to or the fact that you have learned the ability to continue to work and make more? It's day, learning to live day by day is a much greater asset than this asset in the bank. And in the same sense, God's saying, you've got this huge asset in heaven. Christ is enthroned at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. But you really can't get there right now. It's a great advantage that I'll be with you where you are, day in, day out, night in, night out. You have both. And... We need, to, we need to feel the significance and really the preciousness of that. Christ saying, this huge advantage that I send to you, the Holy Spirit, because he's going he's gonna to strengthen us. He's going to help us. Uh, the word here, John 14, 16, another, is significant. It's not a different helper. It's another helper. He is the same. He is God. Um, there's no reduction whatsoever in assistance. If Christ were to bodily walk into the room, we don't pick up any advantage that we don't already have with the Holy Spirit 
Now we have to have Christ, obviously, as our Redeemer. But we've got that in Him. We, he wants us to see, I'm giving you the helper. Um, you really, in other words, nothing's subtracted by Christ going to heaven. It's just, we just get an addition. We still have Christ, and in addition, we have the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I wrote it down on your outline, if you got one coming in, what, what the word helper is in the Greek. I usually don't talk about Greek, um, but it's helpful here to, to look at the language. It's parakletos, is, is the Greek word, and, and that word is uh, translated in my translation, New American Standard, as helper. Um, you may have a translation that translates it comforter or counselor, or advocate, um, as well as helper. Uh, para, para, paraclete, paracletos, um, first of all, he's another paraclete, which means there's a first. That's Christ. Christ is paracletos too. Don't just see the Holy Spirit there. Christ is a helper. So whatever, however we translate this, Christ is one as well. Holy Spirit is another one. Now, uh, parakaleo is a word we use, uh, break it down. Para means alongside. Kaleo means to call. So the word simply means to call alongside. And we know the word in a lot of things, like how about paramedic? It's a medic that's called alongside. You don't have to go to him. He's, he comes to you. He's called alongside to, to help you. Or a parachute. Uh, it's, it's, it's with you to, to help you. Uh, that's the word that's being used here. This, this spirit is, is called alongside to be in us, with us, under us, around us, uh, as our sufficient one, our helper. Um, but there's a distinction, I think, between the first paraclete and the second paraclete, or at least there's one in Scripture that's given somewhat. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Here we have Christ described with this same word. 1 John chapter 2. It says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an paraclete, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only, for, uh, not only ours, but also for those of the world. Now, here Christ is described as a paraclete. And my Bible translates it, advocate. What's he doing here? They're using the context to translate the word. He's defending us. When, when we need defense, if, if, if you sin and you've got to stand before a holy God, you need help. You need a defender. Christ is being presented as your defense attorney, your advocate. He's the one who's standing before the judge in heaven pleading for you. Receive this one. I will pay for that person's sins. If you sin, you need someone to pay for those sins besides yourself. Christ is your helper. He is your paraclete, your advocate, your defense attorney for, for that endeavor. So that, that's the way 
the first paraclete, so to speak, is described. Uh, a great example of that, uh, you remember Stephen? Uh, it's in Acts 17. Uh, Stephen was seeing this very uh, work of Christ after Christ had gone uh, to, to heaven. And uh, you see, it's Acts 7, uh, verse 55. Stephen's been preaching. They don't like his message. Uh, they decide he's a heretic. They take him outside, and they, <clears throat> they're picking up stones. They're about ready to stone Stephen to death for what he's been saying. Understand that situation. Stephen is basically in a human courtroom. They have judged him worthy of death. They're picking up the stones legally to stone him. So as he's in this human courtroom, verse 55 of Acts 7 says, he gazes into the heavenly courtroom, which would make sense. It says, but being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven, and he saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, the obvious emphasis is that he sees Jesus standing. Where is Jesus supposed to be? He's supposed to be sitting at the right hand of God Almighty. You remember the Apostles' Creed. He ascends into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the quick and the dead. So Christ is coming back to judge us. He's, he, he, he becomes judge and jury at some point. Stephen says, but I don't see him sitting. I see him standing. What does an advocate do when he stands? He makes a defense. And as, as, as Peter is being judged guilty, he sees Jesus saying, innocent. He's mine. Receive him. And which is Stephen saying, that's so glorious. I'm seeing the glory of God. What a help in our time of need before the judge of God. That the judge is actually Christ himself standing saying, I will receive you. I'll forgive you and receive you as my own. Stephen got a glimpse of that. And, of course, God giving him that glimpse that he might share it with us um, for our comfort, for our help. Well, that's the first paraclete, the first helper. That's Christ. The Holy Spirit, back in John 14, 16, is another one like Christ. Another. So you, as much help as you can attribute to Christ, now try to attribute to the Holy Spirit because he like Christ, comes alongside to help us. Um, John 14, verse 16, another helper, that he may be with you forever. It's not one to leave us. He's the right now helper, not just the helper in heaven. He's the right now helper. He's the one who comes to strengthen us. It's interesting that um, it's not translated advocate. It's not translated... Uh, Something else is translated helper here. Um, King James translates it, if you've got King James, translates it as comforter. Now, comforter, if you've got that translation, it's a good translation. But if, if you've got it, it may be confusing to you. And the reason it's confusing to you, because our language has progressed. 
when, when I think, probably when you think of comfort today, you think of, you're already in a fix. You're already in a mess. And you've already messed up, and you need somebody to comfort you. You've already gone through a trial, and you're in pain. And somebody comes and gives you comfort. That's the way we typically think of that word. So if that's the way you think of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to be there after you've got pain, and He's going to comfort you. As opposed to helper, sounds like somebody who's going to be there with you through the pain and through the trial, helping you every step of the way. So that's why I think New America Standard translated it helper because the context clearly says he's there forever. He's there with you. The, Holy, the world doesn't get him. You get him forever. It's this constant work of the Holy Spirit that the context is describing. Comfort doesn't seem to do that for us. Comfort seems to be more situational. But in all fairness to King James, think back when King James was written. That was when our language was primarily taken from the Latin. And all the students had to learn Latin because of that. We're kind of moving away from that now because uh, the way language has evolved. But if you go back to the Latin word for comfort... It's two parts again, con, and which means with, forte, which means what? Strength, force, power. So the word confort, comfort, it, it, it's a, it was a good word. It means with, with power, with strength, with the forces. So the Holy Spirit's coming to be along with us with force. With power, maybe a better translation than helper or comfort is strengthener. He's another strengthener for us. And that's what I wanted you to see this morning. That that's what the Holy Spirit comes when we are to do when, we, when we're weak. He's always strong. And He's always with us. He's there to help. He's there to comfort. He's there to plead. He's there to pray. He's there and doing all of this, which is there to strengthen. There always, verse 17, will be in you always. Um, so maybe the best, simple, most articulate verse on this is 1 John 4, verse 4. And you've heard it, but I want to read it one more time to you. 1 John 4, verse 4 <coughs> says this. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I, I, I love the, the language there. You're from God, little children. What can little children do? You, can, you don't think of little children as overcoming anything. He says, you're, you're little children, but you're huge overcomers. Why are you huge overcomers? Because of he who is in you and who is in us always and forever. John 14. It's the Holy Spirit. And the one who is in you always and forever is greater in strength and power than any opponent we ever face. Do we live like winners? Do we live like overcomers? 
We always do. We always will because the Holy Spirit is our strengthener. How wonderful is that? How great is that, that He is strengthening us? So what's the application? Well, I thought of five I put down to think through just to get right to it. What, what does that do for me? Well, number one, I think it makes us a happy people. doesn't mean we're happy always. But we're people who can rejoice. If you're only and always weak and depressed and down, it's not going to be easy to be happy. But if you have someone strengthening you and building you up and pulling you out of darkness into light, and even if that's a slow process... It's a process from weakness to strength. And knowing that that's the direction, that's the path, that's the course you're on, is, is, is a joyful journey. It gives you hope. It lets you know where you're headed is always stronger and better than where you've been to a certain degree. So let us rejoice. God is always in us, and that means strength in us. Let me look at a few verses with you. Look at Psalm 28. Verse 7 and 8, Psalm 28, just to highlight this point. Psalm 28, verse 7 and 8. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I'm helped. Therefore, my heart exults, and with my song I shall thank Him. The Lord is their strength. He is a saving defense to his anointed. Aren't those great verses? Wow. Look at uh, Psalm 18, verse 39. Psalm 18, verse 39. For you have girded me with strength for battle, and you have subdued under me those who rose up against me. It's like they're rising up over us. God comes in and puts them under us. It's the strength of our God. Look at Psalm 37, verse 39. One other place. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them with the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. You see, in these passages, you have this reoccurring theme. He's a helper. You have this reoccurring theme. He's a comforter. But that comfort and that help comes because he's a strengthener. He's a power. He's a force within us that's greater than any opponent, any trial, any struggle we ever come against. Heaven and hell will not thwart his plan for us. He is our strength, becomes our song. So, what does that make us? Not just a happy people. Secondly, I think it makes us a fearless people. A fearless people. We, we can live with fearlessness when we begin to embrace the fact the Spirit is in us and is stronger than anyone we're against. He's, he, we have the forces 
comfort. We have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We have the forces, comfort in Latin. We, we have that force with us, which gives us great strength. Look at uh, Psalm 61, verse 3. It says, of God, you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Um, God is that refuge and strength. You know, sometimes we struggle with, with confidence. But we, we can live fearless when we, when we really understand Christ in us. Through the Spirit. Look at Isaiah 41.10. Very popular verse. Isaiah 41.10. I texted this this morning to someone I love. Maybe you could use it that way as well. Psalm 41.10. Do not fear. For I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand if you why does he have to say this <coughs> he has to say it because we forget it and and we fall into weakness and we fall into being afraid and we fall into being anxious and Christ is saying but 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 I'm sending you my spirit remember that that's to your advantage do not fear. Do not be dismayed. When everything's against you, you, you can literally walk into that battle fearless because I am your God and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. It's going to be okay. Now, I know it's all difficult at times, but trust, it's, it's, it's called faith. It's called living uh, by faith, walking by faith, not by sight. Um, third, I think not only this spirit within us makes us a happy people, a fearless people, makes us a patient people. You know, it, it, if I think I'm going to lose, I'm doing everything frantically to win. And I don't have time for certain things because I'm afraid I'm going to lose. Saul showed us that in the Old Testament. We thought he was going to lose the battle. He did stuff he wasn't supposed to do. We need to remember if, you know, I'm not going to lose. I'm going to win. I'm going to overcome. And I have the Holy Spirit with me as proof of that. He's not going to send his spirit to hell. I will win. I will be on the winning side. I will be in heaven. You can kill my body, but you can't destroy my soul. I will win. And that makes us a patient people, that we don't have to frantically wonder about the results or the outcome. Look at Isaiah again, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. He says, those who wait for the Lord will gain, what, new strength, the strengthening. Those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength, they will mount up. With wings like eagles, they will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I don't know if you've ever been to Real Foot Lake, northern part of Tennessee, right there beside the 
the uh, Mississippi River and all where all the states come together. It's 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 the eagle capital of of America. And to be on that lake and just watch just hundreds of eagles, you know, just soaring without a care in the world. It's like they're they're never flapping frantically. It's like they're always waiting patiently to devour their prey, you know. Uh, God gives us that kind of imagery that he says, if you just wait, you, you don't have to worry, just wait. You will mount up with new strength. Because when you wait, you see all the forces come against you. You, you begin to see more and more, only the Spirit could save me. And he does, over and over. So become a patient people, fearless people, happy people, understanding the work of the Spirit. Fourth, I think it makes us a grateful people. <coughs> Look at First Chronicles chapter 16. A grateful people. First Chronicles chapter 16, beginning at verse 27. Uh, I want to get to verse 27. I just, I love verse 22. Can I say something? Can I take a rabbit trail real quick? Do, verse 22, do not touch my anointed ones. I just love that. God says, don't mess with my people. You just don't mess. He loves us, cares about us. He comes to strengthen us. As a result, verse 27, what should we do? Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in holy array. It makes us a grateful people. Because when we see God's strength in us, he didn't have to give us his spirit. He didn't have to anoint us with his spirit, but he did. And he does. And as a result, we thank him. We praise him for his great strength, which we've now tasted in the Spirit. He's so glorious. He's so great. And he's given that to us. I told somebody yesterday, as I was sharing my testimony with him, and I said, I know you think I do church because it's my job. I said, no, no, no. I said, I don't go to church. I don't, I don't worship. I don't pray. I don't read my Bible because I have to. I do all of those things because I get to. It's just so wonderful to thank the God who has done so much for me. And when Jesus departs and says, look, I'm I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to send my spirit. There's no way that shouldn't make us grateful. Thank you, Lord. So we come week after week and just praise and adoration for nothing else. That The spirit is living within us. But the spirit is doing so much in us. You know, we've talked about the Spirit's regeneration, the Spirit's growth, the Spirit's sanctification, the Spirit's power for witnessing. The, the Spirit does so much, and we've got more. But see this, just the joy of the Spirit within us to strengthen us and to make us grateful. And then fifth, obviously this has been the theme, the Spirit makes us a strong people, not a weak people, not a wimpy people, a strong people. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 is where it starts, uh, about uh, our armor in the Lord. But let me just look at verse 10 a minute. 
Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And then he begins this whole section on putting on the full armor of God. But, but, but think about what he's saying here. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. If you have the Spirit, we're slowly looking at Ephesians 4, which says, don't grieve the Spirit. Ephesians 5, which says, be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 6, if you're not grieving the Spirit, you're being filled with the Spirit. Finally, be strong. Because He's your strengthener. And start putting on the armor. Righteousness, the Word of God, prayer. He starts putting things, packing stuff in. There's things we can do to take the stance of strength. And we should take the stance of strength because the strengthener is in us and with us always. Be strong in the Lord, in His might, and in His power. Uh, Philippians 4.13, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he strengthens me by sending another helper, His Spirit, to strengthen us and enable us for all that is before us. I uh, was trying to do the research on all that to give you, and it didn't even dawn on me, perhaps one of my sins, until I was walking in this morning. I said, you know, God, I just need to confess that there's been times I've, I've ignored you. I've uh, forgotten you. Forgot you were there. For, forgot the precious gift I, I have dwelling within me. And maybe that's where you are. You know these things about the Spirit. But you're not fellowshipping with the Spirit. You're ignoring the Spirit. That's grieving and quenching the Spirit. You're not, again, being filled day by day. Lord, thank you for refreshing me and putting your Spirit within me. Because knowing you are with me and leading me and directing me gives me the ability to rejoice in my, in, in my moment, in what I'm into, and where I'm at. Because you're right there with me. And it enables me to be fearless against the obstacles that are in front of me. But I don't have to be forceful. Even though I've got this great strength, I can be patient. I can wait for God to do something. It's not up to me. I can just pray. I can watch and wait on the Lord. Because he gives me that strength. And I'll get to come back and thank him again and again and again. Being grateful for all he does in my life and yours. I hope that <clears throat> is, is an experience of yours as well. Let me pray for us. Father, it is so easy for us to take the spirit for granted. Because we don't see him. He's like the wind. We don't know where he blows, and yet he's in us and with us always and forever. Forgive us for the times we've grieved and quenched the Spirit. Lord, let us be filled. Let us be strengthened. Let us be helped. Let us be comforted. We ask that your Spirit would move even now upon us. 
it's a gift of uh, a precious relationship with you that the world doesn't know because they can't see it and they don't understand it. But Lord, you've revealed it to us. Let us walk in the power and the might of your spirit, being strengthened as we go. For those, O oh Lord, that don't know you, we pray, especially for our family, our friends, those that we know, that they would be filled with your spirit, that you would give them new birth in the spirit, that they would enjoy all the privileges we get in knowing you. Bless our time together before this table, Lord. Thank you for this communion with you and your spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.